All right. <laughs> That's funny. I told myself I wasn't going to say all right again. <laughs> Go well, listen every week. I say all right. You start noticing this when you're watching your videos. Ah, <laughs> uh, habits. Ain't that the way of it? All right. Well, in the book of Luke, we're in the book of Luke, and we're reading. Uh, it's Christmas time, and we're reading about uh, a, a special baby being born. Not that one, the other one. Uh, Luke has actually two special babies being born in it. Uh, we often overlook what we. I mean, Jesus outshines John, and we he John would be glad about that. But we often overlook John the baptizer. Um, it's a special baby. And it was born for a purpose, and uh, it was one that Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't expect. Elizabeth is not the young, unmarried virgin like Mary's going to be, that's going to have this child that we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it, uh, Jesus' birthday on Christmas. We don't have a, a birthday for John the baptizer. And, uh, but... But they are beyond uh, childbearing years. They've wanted to have kids, but they're unable to conceive. That is until a messenger, just like the one who came to Jesus and to Mary, comes to Elizabeth and Zechariah and says, Hey, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a child, a son. And they're... Shocked and amazed. Of course, wouldn't that flip any of you parents out, right? You know, any of you ladies up? Wait, I'm going to have a what? <laughs> I'm past my age. Now, Zacharias lives both from the priestly line. Zacharias hanging out in the in the temple. It's um, he he's a uh, unlike other religious leaders in Jerusalem. The scripture tells us that they were righteous in their walk with God. That's an important note, right? They were righteous. Not all the religious leaders were righteous. But the barrenness, I, I can only imagine the barrenness of Elizabeth was probably used by some of these not-so-righteous people to make fun of and poke fun of and belittle and beat down Zacharias. You don't have any children. What is the sin that you have caused to keep you from having children? God will not bless you. He hates you. God hates you. You know, that's bad theology, both Old and New Testament, but I still hear it today. I still hear that kind of talk today. And it's awful and it's wrong. And if you think we're unable to have a child, I'm sorry, but it's not because God hates you. That's not how that works. Now, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're unable to have a child, so they were praying for a child, someone to, to share their life with and to, to pass on.
Now, Gabriel's going to come and he's going to make an announcement. You're going to have a child. And it probably came to Zechariah during, at the temple during the time of the mid-afternoon sacrifice when prayers were offered for the national deliverance. They're praying for the deliverance of the nation and the mid-noon sacrifice and there's mid-afternoon sacrifice and he's saying, and so when he answers, when God answers this prayer with this announcement, it's not only for them, but it's for the whole nation. Your son is going to introduce the Messiah. Your son is going to introduce the Savior of Israel. And I love how Luke does this. Luke puts this very divine child, Jesus, right next to this very human child, John, side by side. The human and the divine working together in this, in this, 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 this story, this, 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 this narrative that Luke is telling us. And Mary, who's had this amazing event happen in her life, this earth-shaking event, she's, and nothing who surpassed the fact that she's been told, and she's never been with a man, that you're going to go have a child. And so what does she do? Immediately what she wants to do is she wants to go tell someone about it. Isn't that the way we are? And so she chooses to go see her cousin Elizabeth. And I can only picture, you know, Elizabeth. And then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> but before we go any further with the story, we need to pause and, and, and I, I just be the friend you need. I'm always amazed at what Elizabeth and Mary do here at this moment. Elizabeth just had this shining moment, and here comes Mary with this even bigger news. And Elizabeth could be jealous. Mary could be jealous. Wait, I'm the only one supposed to have this special moment. They could be angry. They could be... I mean, think about it. How many people do you know in your life when we make things about ourselves, right? Well, if you think you've had a bad day, <laughs> let me tell you about my bad day. <laughs> or if you think you're doing well, let me tell you about what happened to me in 1972. <laughs> I mean, we've all known people like that. Some of you might even be that person. Don't be that person. No one wants that person. We need to be the friends that we need. What do they do for each other? They, they're not jealous. They're, 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 uh, they're together. They, they, they acknowledge. They enjoy each other's success. In fact, Elizabeth is so thrilled, even though she's just had some great news, she's so thrilled at Mary's news that, I mean, the, the baby leaps inside of her womb. <laughs> as soon as the sound of your ears. That's what it says, right? And Mary, 
uh, Elizabeth affirms Mary, encourages her. Luke 1, 45. Blessed is he who had believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise in her. I mean, that's affirming this. God has really blessed you. When she could be just hateful and bitter. But no. She affirms her and blesses her. We need more people like that in our life, don't we? We need to be that person so that other people are blessed. We need people that, who can feel free to call at any hour. And You know, one of those less than cheerful hours. And Mary and Elizabeth stay, you know, Mary stays at Elizabeth's home for three months until the, uh, John was born. Can you imagine that? I mean, most of us are like, well, I came, I went, and I'm going home. I mean, they were, they shared life together. And isn't that what this holiday spirit really needs about is about sharing life together? We need that. So, so, I, so I just would take that moment and encourage you. Be the friend you need. Now, John the baptizer, born miraculously, son, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes and he preaches repentance. He preaches that people need to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. His message is, uh, is to all those around him. He lives in the desert. His attire is similar to Elijah. In spirit, he comes to minister and and John isn't the light. He isn't the Messiah. But he's okay with that. Isn't that something? He's okay with that. Here's another moment where he could have been jealous. I mean, look at Jesus. He's always getting the special praise. But he's happy for his cousin. I'm not the light. And I love that John, who isn't the light, just proclaims, just says, <coughs> the one who is the light has come. That one, the one who is, is, is the Messiah has come. The one who is God has come. And that, that image of the human and the divine working together, it harkens me back to Genesis chapter 1. We've been talking that on Tuesday nights, right? Genesis chapter 1. It harkens back to that idea. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over God and man working in unity together. Ain't that beautiful? Working together. Not one lifting themselves up over, but working together. And we see that in John. John knows he's not the light. He says, I'm going to lift up the one who's the light, but I'm not going to try to lord over. I'm going to work with him. And isn't that 
what we're called to do? I mean, we can't be Jesus. I mean, we, we like to think, make that idea, we're going to work towards being like Jesus. You know, we, we say, well, I'm going to be his disciple, which means I'm going to walk close enough to him that his dirt gets kicked up on my shoes. I'm going to be as close as I can be him. But we can't be Jesus. You're not Jesus. I'm sorry. If you got that in your head, you're not Jesus. I know some of you read the scriptures with our mindset that we're going to put ourselves in the, 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 you know, whoever the hero is, that's who you are. You can't be Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. That's the only one. That's all we get. But you can be John. You could be just like John who proclaims the light. And isn't that what we're called to do? I mean, the Great Commission, there was a poll that went out pretty recently, and I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it was, I was amazed at how few churchgoers knew what the Great Commission was. So, um, so let me tell you what it is so we're all on the same page. Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you until the very end of the age. That's the Great Commission. We've been commissioned, we've been called, we've been commanded to go out and make disciples. John was doing this before the commission was gave. He was the one we can say, well, I can't be Jesus, but I can be like John. I can proclaim the one who's come and the one who is coming. I can be like that. I can be the one who's, who's, who's going to be that one. I can't be Jesus. You're not sinless. Thank God for the blessing of the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the punishment of those sins. And so we have to be like John the Baptist. We have to be like the disciples. Our job is to proclaim the light of Jesus Christ. Our job is to proclaim the light of the Messiah that has come and is coming back. Our job is to proclaim the light. I can't be the light. I have to proclaim it. We proclaim the light with our attitudes. We proclaim light with our actions, with our thoughts, with our words. We proclaim the light. Oh, and I know we're all going to mess up sometimes. I mean, we're not Jesus. Well, we're saints that sometimes mess up. Not sinners who sometimes get it right. And as we take that word with proclaiming the word of Jesus, reclaiming the repentance, proclaiming the, the Savior coming, proclaiming the gospel that Jesus Christ has come and he is king. And he's brought life now and, and forever. 
I mean, it's, that's, that's what we, we think of when we think of Christmas, isn't it? And I said, well, uh, I, I don't feel comfortable going and talking to people because you're not an evangelist. Got it. But you know what? The great thing is if you have the Holy Spirit within you, which means if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit who's come and made his, made his dwelling place within you, living within you. Then he's starting to grow those gifts in you. What are those gifts? Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these gifts that he's growing within you. Those are the fruits that he's starting to grow in you. And as he grows those fruit, he's developing the gifts of the Spirit. In Romans 12, we have different gifts according to the grace that have been given us. Gifts of prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's service, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's giving, then give diligently. He's given gifts. And he says, I don't need you to be Peter. I don't need you to be, I need you to be you. And with the gifts I have given you, I need you to proclaim the Messiah. I need you to go and make disciples. There were 12 disciples. We get caught up on, on Peter because he was the one with his, you know, his foot further in his mouth than anyone else. And we forget there are 12 others. And they all went, and they all had different gifts, and they all did in things slightly different ways, and we're blessed by all of the disciples and what they did. My personal favorite is Thomas, because he was the, the one who asked the questions that I would have been asking. That's why he's my favorite. We call him doubting. I call him the questioning disciple, because he just asked the question. All of us, I mean, I've been asking these questions. I'm thankful for Thomas. And he, we all have these gifts. And he says, I'm giving you gifts. So you want to proclaim the gospel? Then you need to proclaim the light with those gifts. And so some of you are, are teachers and, and, and some of you have gifts of giving and some of you have gifts. Of, and we use them to proclaim. To tell, but you know, the sad reality is I'm looking around this room, and we might have a slightly higher average than most churches, but uh, we'll, we'll use statistics. Looking around this room, take a quick count. Okay, there's probably about 60 of you here. It's more than our first service. We had about 50 there. So we think we had 60 people in this room, maybe a little more. Okay, so we have that in this room. We'll count some people online too. We'll say we got 60 people. That means that statistically speaking, seven of you have shared the gospel this last year. Like I said, we, might, we got good people here. We might have a little higher numbers, but statistically speaking, Seven of you. And I don't say that to make you feel bad. But I do say that to make you remember that we have a calling. 
that if we're not telling others about the love of Christ, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. We're not doing what God has kind of to do with those gifts. And some of you I see like you're like, mm, I didn't tell anyone this last year. <laughs> and some of you are like, well, I told someone, so I'm over on the... Like I said, I don't mean to say that, but that's, our, that's what we're supposed to... I can't be Jesus. I can be John. I can be Peter. I can be Thomas. Let's stay away from being Judas. I can be like the disciples. I can go. Go ye therefore unto all the nations. That's why we do things like take up the Lottie Moon offering. Because some of you are givers. That's not a reason to get away from it, but that's how you... And that's a way to give. So you need to give in other ways, more locally. I don't know, some of you are in our teachers, and so you're teaching. Some of you are... So we offer, offer, make opportunities for you to teach. Some of you are, show mercy. That's your... Uh, so you're making... Some of you are, are making cookies because that's how you... And so you share the love of Christ. And so I think as we, we, we think about our next steps, it's not, it's like, oh, I'm going to beat myself up for the next year because I've got this goal I didn't check off from our New Year's resolution. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about we're going to live a life that proclaims Christ. A life that brings others to the love of Christ, to the kingdom of Christ. And we, we say, well, I, I'm not the light. I'm less than. But I want to point others to the one who is. And you're going to come into contact with people who are actively hostile to you. And you know what? That's okay. And you're going to come into contact with people who... Um, want to believe you, but they've been hurt. And you've got to point them towards Christ and say, I know you've been hurt by people because people's is people's. And let me tell you about Jesus. And some of, you know, so we got to say, you know, some of you are going to come to people that, that, that actively want to believe. If you've never led someone to Christ, oh, I pray that God gives you that opportunity to do so and then see them grow as a Christian. Oh, it is one of the most amazing feelings you can ever go through as you see life take place in their life. but we can't let fear be the thing that stops us. That's why over and over in Jesus, he's telling, uh, in the Bible, God's telling people, don't be afraid, even though they have perfectly good reasons to be afraid. Like, you know, an angel pops up, and they're like, <gasps> and they're like, and he's like, don't be afraid. And it's like, well, this is a very good time that I would be afraid. Um, he says, it's okay. He doesn't condemn them for being afraid. He just don't let this be the thing that stops you. 
You know, that an army approaching, and he's like, I've got your back. And you're like, this is a very good time for fear. Daddy's like, but I've got your back. God understands our fear. He just won't let us stay locked up because of our fear. Christian uh, evangelical paralysis is one of those things I heard in school quite a bit. You're afraid you don't know what to say, and you're afraid of rejection, so you don't tell anybody. It's perfectly legit. We don't like to be rejected. Actually, people are more afraid of being rejected than they are anything else. And that includes dying. Uh, many people would rather die than be uh, rejected. And some of you fit in that boat. And so you're like, I don't want to be rejected, so you don't. And God said, that's perfectly legit fear but you can't stay there. Why? Because he's got our back. He said, but I've messed up before. Yeah, but I've got your back. (laughs) But last time I tried this, I really screwed the pooch. (laughs) Yeah? but I've got your back. (laughs) Because it's not about you. It's about the one we're proclaiming. That's Jesus Christ. And so that's where our focus, our next steps on is, are we 